Welcome to October's JNMP podcast. I'm Harriet Vickers. This month, we're taking a look at a recent step towards demystifying the relationship between sunlight, vitamin D and multiple sclerosis. Murali Ramanathan, who's a professor of pharmaceutical sciences and neurology at the State University of New York at Buffalo, is one of the co-authors of this recent JNMP paper. And he joins me via Skype now from New York. Good morning, Murali. Thanks very much for, for taking the time to talk to us. Thank you, Harriet, for the invitation. So first of all, what specifically was the, the question that you, uh, that you focused on with this paper? We are interested in the role of environmental factors in disease progression and multiple sclerosis. In this particular paper, we were interested in the interrelationship between sun exposure and vitamin D and their uh, contributions to disease progression on clinical as well as MRI, magnetic resonance imaging measures of disease progression in MS. So what, what do we currently understand about sunlight and vitamin D and how that relates to immunomodulation and how that might relate to, to MS? How clear is that relationship? Sunlight and vitamin D are interdependent on each other. So vitamin D um, can be um, ingested through the diet, but it's also produced endogenously in the skin uh, upon exposure to sunlight. And uh, we were interested in uh, understanding the relative importance of vitamin D and sunlight to disease progression. Because Mm. these two environmental factors, sunlight and vitamin D, are dependent on each other. Vitamin D has immunomodulatory effects or effects on the immune system on its own. And sunlight could potentially have effects through vitamin D as well as effects of its own. Okay. And how did you go about measuring the factors and outcomes because it doesn't sound like an easy thing to do. One of the challenges I think in understanding the role of environmental factors uh, is really uh, being able to measure environmental factors and for vitamin D we have um, in our group uh, developed a a very selective and sensitive method uh, based on a technique called mass spectrometry for measuring not just vitamin D Uh, but all of its key metabolites. These include uh, 2425-dihydroxyvitamin D, as well as the active metabolite, which is 125-dihydroxyvitamin D3. So we used an analytical method for measuring uh, these metabolites, vitamin D metabolites, in CERM. And we obtained uh, sun exposure metrics uh, by uh, asking patients in a survey about their sun exposure patterns in the in the previous two years, and and what about um, what about the the MS markers? What did you use there? As our markers for our, of understanding and measuring MS uh, disease process, we used both a combination of clinical as well as MRI markers. Uh, as a clinical marker, we use the expanded disability status scale, or the EDSS, which is a very commonly used uh, disability marker in MS clinical trials. And uh, as our MRI markers, we had several markers. We had markers of both uh, lesional injury. We had two markers for lesional injury. One is called the T2 lesion volume, uh, and the other is called the T1 lesion volume. Uh, As measures of neurodegeneration, we used the gray matter volume 
and the whole brain volume. Who was the the population in this study? These were all patients uh, in our geographical area. As you know, we are located in Buffalo. I think Buffalo is 42 degrees north. I have that information somewhere in the okay. paper. <laughs> so these were all uh, patient subjects, actually, uh, individuals who are MS patients as well as controls from our general geographical area. So we couldn't, uh, latitude is often been used as an objective surrogate marker of sun exposure. Uh, but latitude can only be used when you have data sets that spin many orders of latitude, if you will. Yeah, sure. So we could not use latitudes as a measure in our case. So we had to resort to uh, self-reported patient information on sun exposure. Okay, sure. And, and what will be your headline results? The top-line results from our research were uh, that measures of sun exposure which we'd obtained from during our study were related to or were associated with MRI measures of gray matter volume and whole brain volume in MS patients. Our secondary results uh, consisted of a better understanding of the various factors uh, such as vitamin D supplementation, sun exposure, and skin color and their potential roles in vitamin D in metabolism. We found that summer sun exposure and uh, vitamin D supplementation had strong effects on 25-hydroxy vitamin D levels and uh, multivitamins increased vitamin D levels by about 5 nanograms per milliliter of, or about 20%. Okay. Did you adjust for disability when when doing your analysis? If you've got people that are more disabled, then possibly they're not able to go out as much. That's an excellent point. As you know, um, uh, one of the uh, challenges in research of this sort is this idea of reverse causation. And uh, many of our statistical methods don't always necessarily tell you what the causative factor is. They tell you about the associations that are present. And uh, in the case of multiple sclerosis, uh, disability uh, could be an important and critical determinant of whether or not a person was able to obtain sound exposure. So all of our um, analysis included adjustments for disability. And uh, we found that even upon statistical corrections for disability, as measured by the expanded disability status scale, the associations with sunlight still remained uh, so, uh, remained robust. Sure. So we probably do need those longitudinal studies to confirm this, but it's a good indication that the um, that that it's there. Yes. What would you tell patients with regard to all of this? Because it's it's very promising. I think we've known about the, the association with latitude since um, about 1960. So what would you actually tell a patient who came to you and said, oh, I heard you've done this study. What does this mean for me? Getting enough vitamin D uh, clearly um, 
is not harmful. It potentially could have a beneficial effect on disease progression and the risk of developing MS. So certainly I think uh, vitamin D is one aspect to this story. And I think that sunlight itself, uh, modest, moderate levels of sunlight may be beneficial. I think uh, clearly we need uh, much more rigorous epidemiological studies to confirm that. And mm. I think we need to really have to uh, get a better sense as a neurology community on how to weigh the risk of MS disease progression versus the potential risks of uh, skin cancer, which yeah, can increase. Um, yeah. And I think those are all difficult balance issues, I think, that uh, need to be resolved. But I think they'll take time. I think it's premature at this point to sort of have uh, clinical guidelines uh, based on this one study alone. Sure. Well, what are the studies that you'd next like to see? I think that we need to uh, identify what I would consider objective measures of sun exposure in serum. I think that would give you an objective measure of sun exposure as mm. opposed to a, a subjective patient-reported measure. So I think we need to, to work on sun exposure measures that are both integrative as well as biomarkers, you know, combination of biomarkers for sun exposure so yeah. that we can study these in stronger, uh, more mechanistic ways. And I think that uh, our uh, methods for measuring vitamin D and its metabolites, I think, are proving very, very valuable. Thanks there to Murali Ramanathan. That paper is in the October issue of the journal or available on genmp.bmj.com. And Professor Ramanathan also has a paper now up online and in November's JNMP, revealing that in early multiple sclerosis, lipid profile variables are associated with inflammatory MRI activity measures. That's everything for this podcast, but do have a listen to the education special on neurogenetics we've also just published, in collaboration with the Association of British Neurologists. Nick Wood, who's a professor in the Department of Molecular Neuroscience at the Institute of Neurology, gives us an update on the field. Next time, we'll be looking into how Parkinson's patients feel about the results of deep brain stimulation and how to predict and support those who may be disappointed. We'll also be finding out about the occurrence and characteristics of aggressive multiple sclerosis. So join us then.